the J Talk podcast. Yes, 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 yes. Hello and welcome to the J Talk podcast. Ben Maxwell and Johnny Nickel with you, and Johnny with the Japan's involvement at the Asian Cup concluded. We can get back to the good stuff, previewing the new J1 season. Yeah, I'm, I'm delighted. I don't have to mention Hajime Moriyasu again for for at least another six or seven weeks, and yeah, we get five. Um, we'll get two two on this first pod, and then three on the second pod. Great, great teams to have a look at, and yeah, I'm really excited. We've got a, got a debutant on today, don't we? With someone new to talk talk to. So yeah, I'm looking forward to getting stuck into this stuff and putting some of the negativity of the past week behind us. So how about yourself, Ben? How, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, ready to rock and roll, Johnny, on uh, this uh, episode uh, uh, 2A of our J1 season previews. We'll be previewing Sapporo and Kashima and uh, to talk about Consadole with us. Yes, as Johnny mentioned, we have a, a first-time guest uh, on the podcast joining us from the Great White North. It's uh, Tom Dallin. Tom, welcome to the pod. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Yeah, great to have you uh, joining us, as we said, for the first time. And uh, as we uh, like to do with uh, all first-time guests, uh, Tom, if you could, just give the listeners a brief uh, rundown on, um, yeah, how long you've been in Japan and what brought you here. And um, I guess if you're up in uh, Hokkaido, you don't have much of a choice of which uh, club to support. But, uh, yeah, how you got uh, involved with uh, supporting Consadole. So, yeah, I've been here for uh, about 12 years now, um, initially came up to uh, do my PhD up at Hokkaido University. I finished up there about uh, six years ago. And since then, I've just been working as a translator. So I first got involved with Consadole actually during the pandemic. Um, a few of the guy, uh, guys down my local pub invite me along and especially in like um i think it was uh you know early 2020 there wasn't really much else on um so i started going along to the matches and you know even in the uh silence of the pandemic restrictions i really got into it and yeah been been going more or less ever since all right. Terrific stuff. So, yeah, great to have you joining us, as we said. So, uh, yeah, as we uh, do with each club, uh, uh, just to let the listeners know, uh, Tom, yeah, we'll uh, run through uh, Sapporo's 2023 in review. We'll talk about the major transfers out and in for the club. Uh, the manager, uh, one to watch for the season ahead and the overall prospects for the club in this new season with a couple of uh, questions from one of our patrons, Kevin. Uh, thrown in to boot. And we should mention uh, some of our patrons might be familiar with uh, Tom from our line group, but Tom is a TD in there. So um, I guess for all of us, uh, myself and Johnny included, it's great to put a voice to um, a, I guess, an avatar in in a, in a line group. So, um, yeah, Tom, let's just run through 2023 then. It was a 12th placed finish for Sapporo. They were 7th after winning a 5-4 barn burner at uh, Kashiwa in match day 16. But then they didn't win in nine and slipped down to 13th. Uh, they had been a 10th the previous two seasons before that, the best they've done since that mirage of their fourth place finish 
in 2018. Uh, only the top two scored more goals than their 56, but they also uh, had the league's joint worst defence with Gumbo Osaka letting in 61. It literally is a, never a dull moment at the Sapporo Dome. Uh, in the goal-scoring charts, Yuya Asano led the way with uh, 12 goals and uh, Super Chok Sarachat had uh, seven. Uh, they, uh, the, the two leaders of the players that are still at the club, uh, of course, Takuro Kaneko and Tsuyoshi Ogoshiwa are uh, no longer with Consadole. In the Cups, uh, the Sapporo made the playoff stage in the Levain Cup and went out in the round of 16 in the Emperor's Cup. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, another um, season of, well, yeah, uh, a place in the table that I find hard to describe, Tom, but I guess it's the top half of the bottom half of the table um, that, uh, yeah, I guess you've probably had to get used to in the last few seasons. So while the entertainment value is most definitely there when you follow Consadole, um, yeah, I, I I reckon you'd probably like um, a little bit more stability in order to finish a little bit higher up the table. Yeah, so last season was pretty disappointing on the whole, even relative to the uh, benchmark of 10th. Um, first first third of the season, pretty good, uh, culminating in the 5-1 over FC Tokyo and the 5-4 uh, yeah, the, the away at Kashiwa. But that was, that was at the beginning of June, and after that we went on our traditional summer slump. Uh, the worst being uh, 1-0 loss against 10-man Niigata in pouring rain. Possibly the worst football experience of, of, of my life. Um, but uh, after that, things picked up a little bit in the autumn. Uh, highlights are the 4-0 over Gamba and uh, again the uh, 3-1 away at Tokyo. Uh, and there were a couple of draws against San Fletcher and Nagoya, but honestly, it was pretty slim pickings on the whole. Well, I tell you what, Johnny, he stitches both up there by mentioning the, <laughs> uh, the, the big wins. Well, the, well, big, <laughs> yeah, the big wins over Tokyo. Yeah, doing the double, if you don't mind. And uh, yeah, thumping Gumba as well. But uh, um, I don't know. Can we bring him back down to earth here, Johnny? Because <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, as Tom says, the, the summer swoon, they uh, they really did have a rough time of it there. And I mean, you never know if you're coming or going with Sapporo, do you, Johnny? Yeah, I think as Tom Tom rightly pointed out, there was those. Yeah, so, sorry to mention the FC Tokyo game again, but oh, it, that, that, the, especially the, the Kashiwa game, they, they were really really on a high, and it looked like that like the, the, all the results were flowing, and then it was just like stop dead, the momentum stopped dead, and I, I'll mention the Gamba game again because I think Gamba supporters kind of saw that as we got thrashed four 0 by a team that couldn't buy a win in the weeks coming up in the weeks <laughs> after that, so. I don't know what what was going on there, but yeah, I wrote down I think three wins in the last 18 games, and there did seem to be just yeah, from a really good standpoint, they generally fell away. And you know, we teased it in, in the green room because yeah, Ben and I and, and Sam have all had our say on Misha Petrovic, but you know, he's he's still there. Um, he's obviously got that fourth place uh, finish in his first year, but he's basically been tenth and twelfth every every year since. Basically playing the kind of same same style of football, same brand of football that opponents should should be wise to. If maybe Gamba and FC Tokyo at times haven't been in in the past, but you know, as a, as a Sapporo fan, how how highly do, do you do you rate Petrovic? Or 
do you see has he had his day? Is it time to move on? Where where are the supporters in terms of their their feelings towards uh, Misha Petrovic? So um, supporters on the whole, you know, uh, people who've been following the club for longer than I have, you know, they they, they know he's brought us the uh, you know the most sustained period in the top flight that we've uh, that we've ever had, mm. and. You know, for them, you, you know, me- memories of, you know, J2 are pretty, pretty fresh. But um, from my perspective, I feel like we're getting on diminishing returns here. I think the team's been kind of steadily worse in, in, in every season that I've <laughs> that I've been following them. And, you know, if if the goal is just to you know stay up and have some fun then let's keep going but ideally i'd prefer a change do you feel as well kind of connected to that i know support like compared to maybe some of the the canto or like kansai clubs that they're not as rich a club and maybe it might be a bit harder to attract players up to to Sapporo, but I think you know before that you know you said you got into into it dur- during the pandemic. I think before that 2020 season, they obviously they brought in the uh, Takamine and and Kaneko and, and Shunta Tanaka. They all come up from university, and they all had a big part to play. And then the following year, they brought in Ogashiwa from university. But since then, it's been kind of slim pickings from the universities, and I just feel that from the outside looking, there's a bit of a general malaise with the way the season ended last year. And also, if you consider Takamine left at the start of last season, then Kaneko went mid-season, and then Tanaka and Ogashiwa have both gone at the end. I know a couple of players that look pretty decent have come in from from university, like uh, Okada and, and Tatsuyuki Tanaka, that might be able to add something. But is that a kind of worry for the supporters that kind of young players are are choosing not not just to leave Sapporo, but if you throw them in with Lucas Fernandez, there's like four players have gone to rival clubs that you you want to be challenging. How, how are the supporters feeling about that? Yeah, I mean, obviously we're, uh, you know, budget limited in terms of the players we can bring in. But I think last season, if, if you look at the squad last season, mm-hmm. most of like our, our best 11, uh, you know, our, our, our ideal starting lineup had probably been there for about three years or so already. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that there wasn't uh, in the last couple of seasons, there hasn't really been many people coming through. We've um, perhaps uh, Okamura in central defence mm-hmm. and last season, Toy Nakamura, who I want to talk about later, but um, mm-hmm. he's, you know, started to uh, come through on the on the left of the three. But yeah, on the whole, compared to you know, bringing in Kaneko or Fernandez over um, Tanaka, we haven't really brought in that many players who could who can slot right into the starting eleven. And now that you know a lot of those players are left, Fernandez, uh, Kanako went mid-season, um, Ogashiwa Tanaka. Yeah, I think. It's looking pretty sparse this time around. Yeah, all right then. So FC Tokyo's revenge for those uh, two batterings at the hands of uh, Consadole uh, last year was to take uh, Sayoshi Ogashiwa 
down to the Ajinomoto Stadium. Ogashiwa, uh, often injured, of course, but extremely talented. And, um, yeah, sorry to have to mention this, Tom, but, yeah, a player I'm really excited to watch in uh, in Tokyo Colours. So I, I imagine that one will uh, will sting quite a bit. And, uh, yeah, Johnny's mentioned uh, Shunta Tanaka and Lucas Fernandez have both departed to Cerezo Osaka, while uh, Sam Robson's favourite, Akito Fukumori, who I just uh, assumed would um, play until he dropped dead for uh, for Sapporo, he has instead uh, transferred to Yokohama FC, now of uh, J2. So uh, they were the main four that I wrote down as uh, my major transfers out. Uh, Johnny, was there anybody else you wanted to quiz um, Tom on before we get his thoughts on the transfers out as a whole? Um, well, I mean, the, the only other two names I wrote down was uh, Shinji Ono, who, of course, was, was kind of there, there uh, for off-field purposes rather than on-field purposes. And I think he's, uh, Ryo, Ryo Nakagawara always gets on about Milan Tucci. He's been one of the worst players in, in J1, so I think he'd be quite happy to see he's he's gone. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Fukumori was gradually playing less and less. And I think, you know, I think Tom highlighted he's maybe going to talk about Nakamura more. He'd kind of... Him and Suga kind of edged them out of that left centre back role, and he was even playing in, in central midfield. So, yeah, I think Tanaka played it every game. Uh, Ogashiwa was was obviously quite injured quite a lot, but very very effective when when he did play. And Fernandez was able to slot in either side um, down down the wing. And yeah, I think he missed a bit of time last season the, the, uh, due to injury. So yeah, I think those the, Tanaka, Fernandez, and Ogashiwa they are the biggest losses from compared to the, the last season. And, yeah, I think maybe you're going to go on to, to tell us, Ben, that maybe the, the ins maybe not quite as strong as the outs. Yeah, absolutely. Just wanted to get your thoughts if you wanted to pick um, pick uh, any one of those outs that you wanted to uh, give a special mention to, Tom, before we move into, uh, yeah, the, uh, um, as Johnny says, the slim pickings that have come in. Yeah, well, particularly um, Tanaka and Fernandez um, have been, you know, real mainstays of over the last few seasons and probably be you know pretty pretty difficult to replace but um last season in particular uh Ogashiwa was you know uh despite you know being injured for half the season again um just made such a huge difference to how the team played and and to the results as well so Although, you know, um, we've never been able to rely on him because, um, you know, yeah, not even not not just last season, but the season before that, he's um, not not been able to appear much. He uh, definitely fitted in very well to the way Misha wants to play and, yeah, um, really uh, improved the results when he when he was there. So um, that's that's. Um, yeah, that, that that's definitely a big loss. Yeah, actually, Johnny, maybe I should come to you for the transfers in, and you can fill Tom in on what he's getting from uh, Musashi Suzuki and uh, Ryu Takao. Suzuki on loan from from Gamba, and um, and Takao is a full transfer. So uh, an attacker and a defender from Gamba coming in to Consadole, and how much of a difference do you think they'll make? Well, I think to, to start off in a positive, because I think, as, as Sam and I have mentioned before, it's often quite hard to predict how well people will do when they leave Sapporo. It's also quite hard to predict how they'll do when they go there, because, you know, Asano scored 12 goals last season. You'd never have thought that based on his 
former Hiroshima, and I think Alki had a very injury hit spell at Nagoya, then he went to Sapporo and he hit the ground running. So if they can get a new pair of sh- shooting boots for Musashi Suzuki, he might go back to his, his goal-scoring form from when he was there before. Um, because at Gamba, he tended to play... His link-up play and movement was actually quite good. He just couldn't hit a barn door half the time he was there. So if, if he gets scoring again like he like he was, that they earned him his move to, to Europe if... Um, if Misha Petrovic can push the right buttons, then you've got you've got a decent player there. He's, he's not Ogashiwa. I'd definitely take Ogashiwa over him, but he might turn out to be to be better than expected. Takao, especially if he's going to be a replacement for Tanaka. I mean, Takao was at Gamba for five years, and the first two years he was he was pretty decent and mostly playing in that right-sided uh, centre back role. But in the last three years, he's been used as a kind of wing back, right wing back, or full back, and it's just not happened for him to to the extent that I'm very surprised he's not left Gamba and gone to J2. Instead, he's left Gamba and gone to a team that have finished above Gamba the last three years when he's been quite poor. So I think yeah, that that's going to be how they fill in for Tanaka if it is Takao, or if they've got another maybe a younger player like a, a Nishino, or they've got something up their sleeve to to fill that role. That that's going to be something yeah. I'm looking out for I, I, more confidence in Suzuki because he did do it at Sapporo before than Takao. I, I really struggle to see him playing, you know, 35 plus games at a very high level. But you know, I've, I've been wrong before. Um, and then the, the other ones, obviously, you've got Iizumi from from Iwaki. He was decent in J2, but how ready he is to step up to J1, I think he might be a bit of a backup. And I think Kondo has played sort of age level football for. Japan and he gets a good rep in some places but he was largely a substitute for Yokohama FC last season so not sure what to expect from him um, and also Tatsuya Hasegawa was very highly rated until a few years ago and his his star seems to have kind of burned out a bit so I mean yeah feel free to weigh in, in in any of those Tom and also I don't know if you know anything about the you know Okada or Tanaka who've come in for university and possibly even uh, Shido Izuma who's come up from, from the youth team seems to have a bit of a good reputation you know which of those signings are you you most excited about? Who who do you think is going to hit the the ground running? Well, um, I'm going to start actually with um, Shuntakagi, who came in towards the end of last season, but mm-hmm. um, kind of solved the uh, you know the the keeper crisis that um, mm-hmm. we we had last season with Sugeno being injured uh, for you know large parts of the season and Gunsonyu. Uh, turning out, uh, ju- uh, returning and just not being able to cope with the kind of um, sweeper role that, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Petrovic uh, side really needs. So th- uh, that's been good so far. Um, as far as outfield goes, I mean, we've covered the departures in terms of positions. Um, but yeah, it's difficult to say that I'm excited about anyone who's come in as, uh, as I rated the players have gone out. Uh, like, as you say, it's, it's, it's very difficult to know how anyone's going to slot in, but, uh, yeah, as far as the, as far as the players from university goes, uh, I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of them, to be honest. Um, Mish is going to play his favourites into the ground. And, um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe they'll they'll get a couple of um, uh, appearances in the 
uh, in the Levan, but you know, as, as far as far as the starting lineup goes, I think we're going to see, uh, well, at least Condo uh, on the right uh, because there's there, there's there's no one else there, and uh, Takao in the uh, right centre back role. Other than that, I, I think we're probably going to um, stick with the lineup from last season. Yeah, I'd actually forgotten how um, how good uh, Mashashi Suzuki's um, 2019 was. Actually, it was a better than a goal every other game in all comps uh, before he uh, yeah started 2020 and then headed off to uh, to, to be a shot. So yeah, um, it, it's a yeah, it's worth. Um, it's worth reflecting on that, I think, and the fact that yeah, Misha Misha got those numbers out of uh, uh, Musashi Suzuki in his first stint at the club. So yeah, that uh, um, actually has filled me with a bit more confidence about how he might go because uh, I think he's. It's, I don't think it's. Um, he would admit himself his career has really um, hit the skids in the last couple of years. But uh, yeah, for a chance to uh, go back to a familiar setting where he's had success before, hopefully that will um, yeah really get him going again. And, um, yeah, he can uh, share some of the goal-scoring load that will uh, ultimately uh, fall on Asano and uh, Super Choc again. And, um, yeah, we, uh, we'll, we'll chat again about the manager, I guess, Tom. He's, um, he's now commencing his uh, seventh season in charge at the Sapporo Dome. And it's actually his 19th consecutive season managing uh, in the J-League. And he's in that regard, he's setting a new personal best after he spent six years with Hiroshima and then six with Urawa. He was the the manager of the year, of course, after steering Sapporo to that uh, fantastic fourth place finish in 2018 in what was his first season with the club. And you were spot on to say, Tom, that he's, um, yeah, he's been in charge during uh, Sapporo's well, only ever extended run in the top flight in their uh, in their J League history before before they came back up in uh, what was it 2017. They'd uh, they'd never spent more than two years in a single stint in the, in the top flight, and now they're um, they're going on strong, and this is their eighth consecutive year uh, in J1. So yeah, that's certainly um, a, a string to his bow, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think we kind of, in a roundabout way, already asked you. But yeah, w- would you sacrifice a bit of the entertainment value that you get up at the Sapporo Dome for a, a more effective game management style every now and then? Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> um, um, so you know, uh, if you remember that, uh, yeah, that 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 five four against Kashua, you know that that was in early May, and. You know, with, with with a couple of highlight, with with a couple of exceptions, it was it was pretty dire after that. You know, we really seemed to struggle breaking down teams that will sit back, and you know, we'll uh, commit a lot of players forward to do that, and then just get hit with the uh, the you know the simplest count, counter you can imagine, and just. You know, I mean, obviously it's not just a case of let let's fix the defence and then our you know then our attack will be brilliant um, because you know the attack relies on committing so many players forward. But uh, you know, I don't think there's so. For example, we we were the worst or 
I think maybe joint worst with Gamba set piece defenders in the league last season. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't think we have the worst defenders in the league. And I don't think improving sets, you know, defending at set pieces would destroy the at- attacking ethos. So, you know, I, th- I think you, uh, at the end, you just have to chalk that up to not actually drilling the players and the, in, you know, in the, in, in the basics. And we also lost a lot of points from uh, Leeds last season. Mm. And I think that, yeah, it's, you know, uh, definitely worth sacrificing some of the style in favour of uh, a more, I guess, pragmatic approach, especially if if you look at uh, what clubs like Avispa and San Frecce have done in the last few seasons, you know, on, on similar budgets, I think we're underperforming. Yeah, that's all, that's all very interesting, Tom. So, so thanks very much for that. I think the, the next part we're going to go into is, is, is the one to watch. So um, I hope I'm not stealing your one. I don't think I am, but you know, I, I picked actually Seya Baba. The well, he was more of a centre back when he was at Tokyo Verde. He can also play the kind of holding midfielder, which he seemed to do at the, the back end of last season. He seemed to become quite a regular in there. I think you know, he's, he's got a good range of skills. He, he can can attack and defend. He's got good control, good range of passing, and and hopefully you know a, a full season as a as a regular starter and his his second full year in, in J1. I'd like to see him be, be a kind of maybe a, a rare example. Like we mentioned earlier, not, not so many players have come through, like new players have come through in the last few years. So hopefully if he was to kind of become one of the first names in the team sheet in that central midfield area, he would be a bit of a breath of fresh air in there. So he, he's he's my pick for, for supporter player to, to keep an eye on this season. Um, how about yourself, Tom? Who, who, who would you choose? Who's the one that, you know, people, supporter fans or, or people, fans of different teams, who, who should they keep their eyes peeled for uh, this year? Well, um, uh, just just on Sayababa, um, he was, yeah, generally pretty impressive last season. The problem just is nailing down a particular position um, because, you know, he, he, you know, he can play, he, he can play in the back three and, you know, the supporter back three are, auxiliary wing backs you know defensive midfielders um depending on the day mm-hmm. but um yeah so i i mean i think the challenge there is fixing a position and taking it as his own and in that vein yeah a player to watch this season for me was um toya nakamura mm-hmm. so we started out with um actor fukumori a favorite of mine too uh in the left center back position but someone who always seemed not not that well suited suited to that role um you know despite his um abilities like he came up uh, in center midfield a bit last season and that was to be honest where i where i would have wanted to see him in the first place but yeah that's opened up the uh left center back spot for Toya Nakamura, and he's extremely physically and technically capable, particularly, uh, sorry, I don't want to bring it back again, but the um, 
three-one uh, away win uh, FC Tokyo Oof. towards the end of last season. Um, he came on at half time and put both the balls through for the first two goals. So you know he he's definitely someone who can step up from centre back and really contribute to the attack. The only issue is that he's still prone to some pretty awful howlers and if, if he's going to keep playing at centre back that's that's what he needs to cut out of his game all right then guys so uh, my one to watch is also the subject of a question from kevin uh, kevin asks what are the expectations for super choc sarachat this season can he push on after the Asian Cup, Superchok barely featured in the first half of uh, of last season and only scored once, but then made his first start of the year in match day 18 and went on to start 10 times and score six more goals in the second half of the campaign, finishing with seven goals in 24 league appearances. And with Ogashiwa gone, uh, a lot more responsibility falls on his shoulders, I would say, in terms of uh, goal-scoring responsibility, definitely. So, um, yeah, what are you looking forward to seeing from Superchok in his uh, second full season with the club, Tom? So, yeah, uh, you know, around the um, the, the uh, second half of last season, he really nailed down the, uh, the, the left-hand side of the front three. And, you know, I, ex- I expect he's going to be in or around the starting lineup this season and yeah no he was really a joy to watch i mean it was it was a fairly uh depressing season <laughs> on the whole but um i think about you know five of those seven goals were absolute bangers and um you know uh if you saw the uh the one he got in the asian cup uh on in in Thailand's last in, in Thailand's last tie, that was that you know that was th- that was the kind of thing he's been uh, providing over the last few months. So yeah, I I, I think I think he'll be uh, I think he'll be starting. And you know if he if he gets a full season in the team, I think we can probably see you know double figures uh, double figures from him. Yeah, I was actually, when I was thinking what I was going to say there, I was planning to say I think 10 goals plus would be a, a reasonable target for, for Super Chuck. Um, for, from the outside, again, he seems to have all the ingredients to, to be a, a top player in the, the J League. And I remember when he, he first joined Sapporo, he, he, he was mostly used off the bench and got a few assists. And then I don't know if it was a fitness issue or what that, that kind of kept him out of the starting lineup most weeks in the first half of last season. But like Ben said, when, when he came on and when he played, there was always something happening. And, you know, with, with doubts about how they're going to replace Ogashiwa or how the, the attack is going to, going to look next season, I think, yeah, Super Chop would be a sort of, I guess, a, a league-wide. He would get the stamp of a, one, one to watch, I think, for, for the international fans and also the Japanese fans. He, he's someone, that, as, you, as you mentioned, Tom, he, he got that great goal in the, the Asian Cup. So he can definitely light up a, a match uh, on a whim. So... Yeah, definitely keep keep him in mind. Um, just, just while we're on the subject of, of Kevin's questions, Tom, um, he, he also asked about the, the Sapporo Dome and about, you know, obviously they used to use the Atsubetsu Stadium, which I, I believe is currently under construction. But the uh, Kevin says the, the Nippon Ham Fighters have moved out of Sapporo Dome. 
are they going to make any renovations to make it more football specific or yeah, remove the Anderson Lopez lo- uh, <laughs> <laughs> remove the Anderson Lopez moat um, or move to a purpose-built stadium? Have you heard anything about that, anything stadium-wise? So, um, yeah, the quick answer to that is no. Um, <laughs> ever since uh, the fighters moved out, the Dome's been losing a huge amount of money. So they're absolutely desperate to hold, you know, events of any other kind in addition to the football, including inviting the the fighters back for a couple of games a season. So, yeah, we're definitely not going to see it adapted any more to the football. And... Yeah, I mean, even even the long term future of the stadium is a is is a bit hazy at the moment. Um, as you said, like um, at Spitz Stadium, where we uh, played since uh, since about about a decade ago now, is under renovation. So there's no moving back there for the time being, and um, pretty glad for that because it's a Awful, awful place to watch football. But um, well, I wish they've a chance to win against Sapporo away whenever they played at Atsubetsu. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's it's the only, you know, one of the few places in Japan you can get hypothermia in mid-July or, uh, you know, sunburn in the winter. It's just um, an athletic stadium on top of a hill. So, uh, fingers crossed, the Dome has a long-term future. But yeah, for the time being, it's uh, it, it's not going to change much. All right, Dan. Thanks very much for those uh, answers, Tom. And thanks for your questions, Kevin. We'll be uh, answering a couple more questions from Kevin in uh, part 2B of our J1 season previews. But just before we wrap up then, Tom, um, the the overall vibe you've got going into 20, to, uh, 2024 and your expectations for the season. More of the same or can you see a, a slightly uh, brighter horizon for, uh, for Consadole in 2024? Uh, yeah, my, more of the same, but worse. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know, maybe maybe 13th or 14th. I, I, I don't think we'll have too much trouble with relegation, but it's difficult to see uh, anything anything beyond that, to be honest. And Johnny, uh, yeah, what about yourself? The uh, your uh, your overall ex- expectations for the club uh, in this new season? Yeah, I think pr- pretty similar to, to Tom. I, I mean, it, it seems a bit foolish to, to go against a team that's finished 10th or 12th the last five years not finishing there again. But I, I kind of go along with Tom. I, I don't see supporters being a realistic candidate for, for relegation. But I think they might actually slip a bit lower than that 12th down to the sort of 14th, 15th, 16th. Um, and, and lots of entertainment at, at both ends of the field, I think, is, is still going to be very much the case. So what about yourself, Ben? Yeah, I've I would say 10th to 14th is my uh, yeah kind of ballpark area of the table. Um, yeah, if Masashi Suzuki can hit the ground running and and get into double figures, I, I'm I'm sure Asana will uh, will be effective again. And yeah, as we said, Super Choc, um with a full season, uh, hopefully under his belt this year, he'll he'll get into double digits as well. So um, yeah, bound to be an entertaining season again for you, Tom, up at the Sapporo Dome. Thanks ever so much for joining us on your debut. And uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we hope to check in with you uh, during the season to see how things are going up in uh, up in Sapporo. So, yeah, once again, thanks for joining us. 
Ah, thanks very much for having me. I'll be listening in. All right. Thanks again to Tom Dallin. Uh, Johnny and I will be back in a moment to chat about Kashima Antlers. Thanks again to Tom. And uh, yes, it will be a fascinating season up at the Sapporo Dome once again. All right, let's move on to Kashima Antlers, their 2023 season. Uh, They finished fifth, but uh, 19 points behind champions Kobe. They spent uh, five rounds outside the top half of the table in the first two months, then stayed in the top half the rest of the way, uh, reaching a high point of third when they were just six points off top after match day 27, having only lost twice in 19 games, but their only win in their last seven was against relegated Yokohama FC on the final day of the season. Their 43 goals for was a joint fifth best in the league, but uh, part of a, a really a group of clubs that scored between 43 and 41, which was uh, almost half the league. Uh, Yuma Suzuki scored almost a third of their goals. He netted a 14 times in the top flight. Uh, Kei Chinen and uh, Yuki Kakita, the goal machine, uh, chipped in with five and four, respectively. While at the other end of the pitch, their 34 goals against, i.e. one goal a game, was a joint fourth best in the league. But, uh, Johnny, the the J-League's most successful club, of course, have uh, now gone five years without a trophy. They have an extremely impressive run going of 11 straight seasons finishing in the top five. But um, yeah, after five years without a trophy, is it fair to say that Antlers are at a crossroads? Yeah, I think was it, we were talking with Sean Carroll last year. I, I kind of compared them to latter-day Arsene Wenger Arsenal, where they'd all these like, fourth and fifth place finishes, but never really threatened at the very top of the league. And occasionally threatened to drop down to, to, to mid-table. And, yeah, I think what Sean's response is actually quite quite interesting about uh, other teams have caught up. And I think if I add my own spin, I, I know it's kind of it's almost like fan banter in, in the past about you know, Kashima's in the middle of nowhere. It's impossible to get to the stadium. But, I mean, to, to an extent, I think that is hindering them a bit. Like, if they're, you know, competing with the more centrally located Kanto teams or even, you know, your Nagoya, your, your Kansai teams, you're... San Frecce, it's it's not the most attractive destination to go to anymore. Now that they're not they're not winning, and another thing that has been kind of thrown about in kind of fan circles is is more banter, but I think does have a, a shred of truth to it, which is becoming more evident kind of by the passing year. Is the kind of the the clique nature of of Kashima and the kind of old boys network, which which saw Daiki Uemasa in, in the job last year, and it has the advantage of getting players like Ueda and, and Suzuki and Shibasaki coming back after spells in Europe. But, you know, it's also, you know, for attracting foreign players or players from other teams, Kashima still has has the name, it still has Zico. But in other respects, you kind of see them, they are, Ailing's probably too strong because, I mean, they can put together a run of top five finishes that no one else in the league can match. But, you know, last five or six years, they've not really been a, a threat at the very top. They're not, they're not one of the, Teams that most people will have in their JPRED this year, that they've kind of drift, drifted down. They're not, they're not upper tier. They're kind of in the second tier. So, yeah, that this year you, you could say crossroads could be being a bit too dramatic, but you know you could say are they now a bona fide, you know, fourth to six, maybe upper half of, sorry, lower half of the, the the top half of the table. 
Or are they going to reestablish themselves really at the top in the top top four or five, top three or four teams in the league? Yeah, I guess you could kind of put put it that way. Yeah, yeah, we always struggle to <laughs> to define those different areas of the table, don't we? But yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And um, yeah, with that with that said, it's uh, well, it's been a, a spotty uh, off season, I guess, for uh, for the. Uh, the slightly fallen giants. Um, we mentioned when we talked to Tom about Sapporo that uh, Sam will have been in shock at uh, Fukumori leaving Sapporo. Well, uh, he was uh, rejoicing when uh, Daiki Iwamasa left as uh, manager of uh, Antlers uh, shortly after the season concluded. While in terms of uh, players to part in the club, uh, the uh, defenders uh, Rikuto Hirose and again uh, Shoji have left. Hirose to Kobe and uh, Shoji to promoted Machida, although how much um, he's got left in the tank and whether he's just a, a, a big-name signing for Machida, I guess, is, uh, well, will be proven uh, on the pitch. In uh, midfield and attack, they've seen the, uh, the the two Brazilians, Diego Pichuca and Arthur Kaike, return to their native land, while, uh, interestingly, Ryotaro Araki has uh, left to join FC Tokyo on loan. So, yeah, I mean, Pachuca, obviously an extremely gifted midfielder. And uh, Kaike, I think the season before last was well into double figures in goals, although had a difficult time of it in in 2023. But, um, yeah, some of the departures, I think, uh, well, they might have uh, they might have some depth in the squad to, to cover some of these departures. I think overall, um, yeah, they've certainly left some pretty big holes in their squad. Yeah, I think for me, the most interesting thing is that you're allowed in any matchday squad in in the J1, you can have five foreign players and, and four, four of their foreigners left. You know, Pituka, as you mentioned, the, the biggest loss, Kaike Blessing Eleki, who was there for a year and a half and barely played. And also the, the long serving goalkeeper, Kwon Sante, I believe he's become a goalkeeper coach at Antlers. So mm. that basically left them, I think, was it Parkwee Young is at best third-choice goalkeeper. I think he's more fourth-choice goalkeeper. Was it the only foreign name left? Um, so a, a big kind of clearing out of the decks of, of maybe some some foreign players that have been brought in by previous management and that the current management are not so interested in. Gen Shoji, yeah, I think that's another... Um, his departure, like Iwamasa, I think will be celebrated by, by Sam Robson. And Araki, I'm really fascinated to, to see... Um, how he gets on at FC Tokyo, but obviously we'll, we'll talk about him more when we get to the, the FC Tokyo preview. But yeah, I, I think, like you say, if, if you strip those away, you're basically left with, from, from the second half of last season, Pachuca was a nailed-on starter and Hirose played probably 50%, maybe just more than that of the time. And the rest were all just sort of squad, squad members or, or on the bench. So, yeah, a lot of depth gone, but not too much gone from the starting eleven, which I think will be crucial for them going on this season. Yeah, and so in terms of the the major transfers in, I've really only got two. I mean, I'm sure there's some others on the fringes that you you can mention, and please feel free to do so. But yeah, the Brazilian attacker uh, Guilherme Parede and uh, the Serbian winger Alexandre Kavric. Um, a couple of challenges for my uh, pronunciation skills there, but hopefully I've uh, done both of those players justice. Um, I don't know how much you know about them, Johnny, but obviously, um, yeah, kind of uh, like-for-like like place uh, replacements perhaps for the likes of, uh, of Kaike and, uh, and Araki. It'll be interesting to see how they both settle and um, how much they feature under the uh, the new manager, Ranko Popovic. 
Yeah, I, I watched a, a little bit of a, a training video at Kashua. There was lots of bravos coming from um, from Popovich in the side. Um, but Parade, I, I believe that the, the Katakan is Pareji. So I don't know how exactly you pronounce it. We'll, we'll need to wait and find out. But he seems to have come from from Brazilian uh, Serie B. He was he was on loan from from a club in Argentina, but he does have previous Serie A experience, and it seems like he can play on either side. I was looking up on, on transfer markets about 50-50 right wing or left wing, um, and then Kavrich, I believe he is labelled as a winger, but he's been most recently playing as a centre forward for Slovan Bratislava, and he, he was going great great guns this season. So I mean from I haven't seen him really play, but he seems like maybe, you know, they had Everaldo a few seasons ago. He had that great year in 2020. He seems like that that kind of ilk. And yeah, Yuma Suzuki got a very nasty uh, facial injury. So I think he's going to miss at least the first kind of three or four rounds of the season. And then you're probably going to see him in a kind of uh, spandex mask on his face when he comes back. It seemed to be quite a nasty injury. So yeah, I think Kavrich, you're going to have to rely on him hitting the ground running. Looks a big physical player ready-made for, for Kashima. So I think that that's a, a, a good signing. The, the only other well, one I would mention is um, the, the right-back Kimito Nono, who's come in from, from Kansai Gakuin University. Um, not a whole lot of depth at the moment in, in Kashima's defence. So you know, he, him, he's challenging Sugai for that, that right, right-back slot. And I mean, he's 179 centimetres. Given you know, the lack of depth at centre-back, he might even be required to play there in, in case of an injury because... Um, a player we didn't mention uh, because he hasn't actually signed for Kashima is the, the defender Joseph Kalusic, the Croatian centre-back, apparently made to order for, for Popovic, but uh, rather embarrassingly, he, they, they had to announce he, he failed a medical after they'd uh, announced his squad number and announced he was training. So, mm. yeah, we're, we're doing this. We're still, we're still a few weeks out from the start of the season. I would fully expect Kashima will sign a centre-back. Well, where they're going to come from now that the, the European window has shut and also the J-League window is open, but clubs will know they're desperate and clubs have got their, their squads filled up. So, yeah, I'd expect to see at least one player come in, possibly two, to what is a bit of a threadbare looking squad, looking Kashima squad at the moment. But so plenty of work to do. And, you know, you mentioned um, you know, Ranko Popovic has come in. Um, yeah, I, I can only imagine fireworks, one, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I know you you mentioned in the green room you you've met you've met Mr Popovich before mm. and he's obviously coached your club FC Tokyo a, a decade and more than a decade ago. I mean I don't know how relevant that spell will be to now, but what what was your take on this this appointment? Yeah, I was uh, stunned to be perfectly honest. Um, I uh, I assumed that he might have been finished in Japan after he uh, he left Machida. He uh, obviously has uh, spent two stints with them, but um, a fascinating appointment by by uh, by Kashima. Uh, Ranko, uh, a lovely man, a uh, a really good motivator. But uh, yeah, for uh, for him to to join the the most successful club in Japan uh, in, in the history of the J League was uh, yeah really eye opening move for me and yeah certainly one that uh, that I did not see coming um, we had a question from Sam uh, related to to Popovich Johnny so I'll, I'll ask you that uh, Sam says when uh, researching uh, Ranko Popovich after his appointment he came across a Sean Carroll tweet where he wondered if Popovich had become the first manager to be banned for an accumulation of cards uh, on that basis alone he sounds like a perfect fit for Antlers, um, well, yeah, so I guess I'm flipping your question back at you. Besides that, though, how well do you think he fits in 
at Kashima. It's a career in the J-League that he's managed uh, Oita Machida in the two separate stints, as I mentioned. You mentioned he's coached FC Tokyo, and uh, when he left there, he headed uh, to Cerezo Osaka. So uh, Sam asked a good question. How well do you think he fits in? Uh, It's a a tough one. I I just get the feeling that Kashima, after getting rid of Iwamasa and kind of what I said earlier about the – the feeling that goes around that they're a bit too clicky and rely on the old boys network. It's like the executives have got down and wrote, like, let's get a foreign coach. Let's get one who has experience in the J League. Let's get someone who we can get now. And they've come up with Ranko Popovich. And he says he's a lovely man to talk to. I, I just, if, if, he, if he's there at this time next uh, at the end of the season, there's going to be fireworks. It's not going to be like last season where they, they kind of flirt with eighth or ninth and then get their usual place in the top five. If he's going to stay, it means that they've challenged for the league. Because he plays the same living every week until someone gets injured. So maybe the lack of depth is no issue. And injuries to like Suzuki and Shibasaki, he just gets them all around his way of playing and it all clicks. I, I think more likely, and we're not, we're not in the process of calling for people to, to lose their jobs, but... It was said last week that, that um, uh, Danny Poyatos might be a, a favourite with the bookies to, to lose his job first this year. I think Popovich is going to be up there with the most likely coaches to be to be gone at the back end of Golden Week. I I just feel like it's either going to be Popovich clicks, everything clicks into gear and they're challenging, or they're sitting 12th at the end of Golden Week and he's, he's gone, a bit like his kind of disastrous spell at Cerezo back in 2014. It'll be entertaining for sure, but you know, he's been around for a while, and I don't know how long 0.89 years is, but that that's is less than a year, and that's what it says in transfer market is his average term as a coach. <laughs> so um, I wouldn't put money in him being there at the end of the season, uh, but I think it's going to be an entertaining watch, whatever happens at Kashima under Popovich. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating, no question about that. Um, yeah, hopefully he... Uh, Hopefully he does well there. As as you said, I uh, I've met him personally. Don't know him especially well, but yeah, whenever we've uh, spoken, he's uh, uh, yeah, very very nice gentleman. So in that regard, I wish him uh, all the best. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll certainly wait and see in that regard. Okay, so uh, let's move on to our ones to watch for Kashima Johnny. Uh, I'll obviously be watching. Uh, the Prince, Sean Madoy, extremely closely in his uh, cameos off the bench. But uh, Kaishu Sano is my pick. Uh, his inclusion in the Asian Cup uh, squad took many by surprise, of course, but it does appear he's now firmly part of the national team setup, maybe part of the reason why uh, Antlers weren't too bothered to see Diego Pachuca go. And it'll be uh, really interesting to see how uh, Sano and uh, Higuchi play together this season uh, that both of those will uh, yeah hopefully for Antlers fans play a uh, massive role in making them tick and uh, nudging them up the table uh, Johnny who's your one to watch for Kashima again I've gone gone slightly I've avoided the obvious picks and I've gone for the the young winger uh, Yuta Matsumura a, a bit like um, you know some other players it's going to make or break for him this season he's been a He's been a promising uh, yeah, up-and-comer for, for a while now, but he's never really managed to nail down a, a starting berth under under several different coaches. But you know, he had a standout performance against uh, Argentina for, for Japan's Olympic team at the back end of last year. 
and that really seemed to, to generate a lot of confidence in him. And I think he scored against uh, Yokohama FC in, in VCL, so two, two goals in his last five games at the end of last season. He started the last two. Again, this was under Daiki Iwamasa. He now has Popovich to, to impress, but you know, there's not there's not a particularly big squad at, at, at Kashima this season. You've got things like Kei Chinen being used in central midfield to try and cut, cover the gaps. So, you know, I think this is Matsumura's chance to, to break through, and he could be someone you would look to see emerge and really fire them up, up the table. Uh, aside from that, also, I'd echo what I said about, about Kavrich, the, the, the new forward. I think he's going to be relied upon to, to score a lot of goals, as Kakita played well last year, but didn't really do the business in front of goals. So, yeah, Matsumura is my, my definite one to watch, and also Kavrich, I think how good he is will also kind of make or break Kashima's season. Rightio then, so as we wrap up this episode then, uh, our general uh, overview then for, for Kashima in 2024 and how we think they'll get on. There's obviously still a lot of quality in this squad. I've just mentioned their uh, midfield pairing of uh, Higuchi and Sano. Um, Naomichi Wada returned and did extremely well last year at the back, although there are huge question marks about the depth at centre-back, and maybe they'll even have to coax uh, Daiki Iwamasa out of retirement now that he's out of the dugout to uh, to, plug, <laughs> to plug a gap at uh, centre-back. Of course, uh, Yuma Suzuki up front once he returns from his injury, and uh, by the way, the people that are commenting that it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy we uh, we certainly don't uh, endorse those comments here at uh, jtalk towers uh but uh, yeah coverage looks uh, a really interesting signing and uh, uh parade i think that's going to be the the official uh, jtalk <laughs> uh, pronunciation guide uh, version of how we say his name johnny it sounds like a leandro damiao damian uh, kind mm-hmm. of a conundrum there so i'm just going to stick with a parade and uh yeah uh, i guess you can uh, you can sort yourself out in uh, in that regard. Uh, yeah, big question mark about whether a goal machine Yuki Kakita can get into double figures. Um, I say no, but uh, we'll uh, we'll wait and see. But um, yeah, with the teams around them strengthening, Johnny, um, they're going to be hard pressed, I think, to carry on this remarkable streak of uh, consecutive seasons finishing in the top five. For me, I think that it uh, ends at eleven. What say you? Yes, speak, speaking now, I, I think you know, it's hard to see them finishing the, the, the top six. But like I said about Popovich, if they were to change the manager, a couple of high-profile high domestic and foreign signings in the summer, well, yeah, I wouldn't bet, bet against them. But with the current squad, the current management, the, the current slight malaise that's been there the past, past few years, yeah, I struggle to put them uh, top, top five. Top half, yeah, but bottom half of the top half if that makes sense <laughs> yeah 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 that sounds about right to me as well so uh, we'll wait and see but yeah i mean it obviously it hasn't paid to uh, to doubt uh, kashima in the uh, well in the entire history of the j league if we're being honest but uh, yeah they do face a, a particular challenge i think in in 2024 all right then so uh, we'll leave it there for uh, this episode part uh, 2a of our j1 season previews that's uh sapporo and kashima covered in our next episode coming to you very shortly listeners will be previewing urawa kashiwa and niigata so big thanks to kevin 
and Sam for their questions in this episode. A special thanks to Tom for uh, making his uh, J-Talk debut by uh, chatting with us about Sapporo. And uh, thanks to our newest patron, Marwan, for uh, joining us. Uh, perfect timing too, Marwan, with the, the new season just about to uh, to get rolling. And uh, thanks uh, to you listeners for listening wherever you are. We'll be back with our next episode very soon. Speak to you then. Bye for now. The J Talk Podcast. Yes, 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 yes.